1: What does Motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of Motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks.
2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: Welcome Back to Celtic State of Mind, Brian. Are you on the red line already? Is that
4: right, Peter? Yeah. No, it's uh, it's cold, and cold.
3: Just oh, sorry, just the cold, just the way the lights shone on it. I'm Paul John Dykes, and I'm joined today. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by JP Mason. Welcome back, JP and uh, Brian Degnan. I hope you're back to full fitness, Brian. You've not been feeling too well recently.
4: Yep, no, I passed a light fitness test, so I'm, I'm back in the squad, back ready to again. Aye, that's me. Love it,
3: love it now, JP. It's been a wee while since you've been in the studio. Mm-hmm. Have you seen anything new since you came in?
5: Uh, I've seen uh, some some tracky tops. I've seen uh, a new. Uh, what did I see out there? What did I see out there? That, that they took my, took the my Italia attention. ninety bag. Oh, the Italian ninety bag is unbelievable. By the way, that that I mean, it's it's got the faded, you know, the original <laughs> kind of faded look because it is actually an original Italian ninety. What is it like a? A shoulder bag, isn't
3: it? Ah, it's, it's been used. It's been well used. You could just tell that during the 1990s, it's been used for Sunday League football and all that, you know? Yeah. With boots and Rau- jacks. You, know, you can smell it. The <laughs> liniment <laughs> takes you back to a changing room. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Loads to talk about. Um, Uh, There's a good vibe in the studio at the moment because another thing that JP will have seen when he came in was loads and loads of frames for the auction that we're doing for the St Mary's fundraiser. uh, We're hurtling towards a totally, dare I say, more than we raised last year. So we raised 27k last year. And then once you do the transfer, you have a few percents here and there from GoFundMe that comes off the total, and it took it under twenty-seven grand uh, last time round. The difference this time round is there's one beneficiary, so it's going to St Mary's, and St Mary's only now. Uh, Can and Tom down there also looks after St uh, Alphonsus, so the two parishes are going to benefit, which is tremendous. But it's important because it's the birthplace of Celtic, so yes, the link is underneath the video. As always, if you're able to throw in a pound or two, please do so. it will all go to the the final total and by the way we were talking about what to do next year, we're going to step it up even higher, the bar's going higher next year, we're going to do something bigger next year Uh, but it just shows you the community aspect of the Celtic support coming together like that it was a great weekend and as I say the the auction is ongoing I showed uh, JP a few of the new items so they're going to look smashing on eBay later on today but after this, JP and I will be jumping in the motor and going through to Glasgow for the game, so let's talk about the game uh, tonight, and the, the pre-match yesterday, the presser, these things sometimes, Brian I'll come to you first, they can they can be quite formulaic, who's injured, who's going to get a start are you happy with this one or that one they can go down that line can't they, oh it's a dead rubber, conference league and all that but there was a couple of questions that uh, they, they attracted tremendous answers from Ange to didn't they, and uh, our very own Tony Haggerty was in the room he asked the question around Kyogo, uh, with a view. The angle with the question was around. He's been targeted. There's a campaign here. Um, the, here's your stage, Ange, to to stand up for him and stand up for him. He did, didn't he?
4: Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, we had to go to the, the brave warriors sitting on the couch having a go. Um, I love his quote about um, mentioning he's the size of a jockey. Up against these guys, much bigger and get on with it. And um, what I loved about, well, about Angie in general, but in particular that response was it wasn't rehearsed, it came straight from him. Yes. That defense, he got his back up right away. You, you, you can tell. I mean, if you're, if you're Kyoko and you hear that, you've, you've got to think, the gaffer's got me. He's absolutely got my back. Aye. And Postal call was spot on as well. I mean, it's, it's easy for people to they say, oh, maybe he's been doing a bit easier here or there, but he's getting kicked lumps out every game and we've spoke many a time uh, recently about the referees and rightly so because the amount of challenges that are going are unpunished against him in particular so yeah maybe on occasion he's been doing a wee bit easy but given the amount of fouls against him the amount of times he getting hit off the ball I'm surprised he's not going down more so uh, it's not, I loved it love was just he just comes across as such a genuine guy doesn't he it? like he's just someone you're really proud of to be in charge of the club and uh, kudos to Big Tony as well it was a a wonderfully wanted question.
3: Oh, it was. Now, there's a couple of things to take from that. Um, people keep saying on on the podcast, they keep saying that he gets it. He definitely does get it. Now, the thing with regards to that is he seems to be from the hierarchy, as you would, the only one that's getting it at the moment, JP. I mean, he has taken to a pre-match press conference and stood up for Kyogo.
5: Are you kind of disappointed that the club haven't stood up for him already? I wouldn't say disappointed. I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, they've not come out and said anything about, well, apart from the, the little bit of information at that that the AGM that we got from, um, was it Ian Bankier or, or Brian Wilson? I can't remember about the Bernard Higgins thing. There's been mm-hmm. silence on that. Mm-hmm. So if they're being silent about something that the majority of the support are so up in arms about, rightly so, then... You know, would we expect them to come out and make a comment on the press uh, treatment or otherwise of Kyogo Furuhashi? Probably not. So I'm not. I'm not surprised. Um, I was really, really happy that um, it was brought up yesterday. And there's a lot of people kind of saying yesterday would it have been brought up by the mainstream media, or you know, is, is it is it thanks to fan media and our very own Tony Haggerty for bringing it up? who knows maybe we'll never know because tony got in there first thing it was one of the first questions wasn't it or the second yeah and um you know an anthroposicologist responded and his quote about you know i don't get involved in arguments with ignorant people because you you tend to become one of them if you do and i just as soon as i heard them say that i just thought wow that is that I'll I'll remember that. <laughs> I mean I know he's kind of taken a mm-hmm. a bit of a loan of a Mark Twain quote as somebody replied to my post on on Twitter. Which by the way, that the response to that that I put out that last night. I mean I I, I sort I very rarely put out tweets that I'm, that I'm you know making a statement or anything like that. But the response to that is indicative of how the Celtic fans feel. It's like a microcosm. It's like a microcosm of what. The celtic support feel about angie postacoglu you know when you see that level of re- response people don't know me they don't care about me or or me as a person they've just seen that quote that i've put and they've responded to it i mean you see that you just think well this guy is is clearly got everyone's attention and has got everyone's support as he's repeatedly said from the start he's, he, you know he's he's, he's made He's been at pains to say that to the media when they've been questioned when he's been questioned about it that he said, "Look, I've had the support of this club mm. and the support of the fans since I came in the door because they've almost seen me as like an an underdog, and they want me to do well, and that's kind of what we've always been uh, and been used to being throughout most of our Celtic support and lives. You know it's not been all plain sailing has it? I mean, you and I have experienced." Being not even the underdog, you know, being as far out of the, you know, uh, competition as possible. Mm. So finishing fifth, I remember finishing fifth. Hi. <laughs> uh, bizarrely, under Billy McNeil. Uh, uh,
3: the manager that I most associate my kind of youthful uh, support of Celtic with is Billy McNeil. But there was that one season where, mm. you know, it just didn't happen. The money that was spent, you know, didn't uh, bear fruit and we ended up fifth. So, aye, the trials and tribulations. But He's right in what he says. I mean, people take that view that oh, he's never voted them in the first place. And, you know, you've got to actually question that because that, that wasn't the situation when Ange-Postokogli was appointed. The situation was that the club had uh, basically been led along far too long by who was obviously their first candidate, right? And that was where the frustration came from. Whoever was then lined up, you know, it was almost in the shadows from day one, but at no point did anyone in and say what are we, you know, appointing this guy for or, you know, it's it's, it's a disaster or any of this because I've seen that on Twitter as well that people are saying, well, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't give him any credit when we appointed him. That wasn't the case. I think the frustration at that point was the way the club went about it Um and then it didn't really give Ange much of an opportunity in the early days to put his stamp on the side. I mean, you just have to look at the Michelin lineup, and he mentioned this uh, yesterday as well. How well we've done in Europe when you consider we've gone into that game uh, totally underprepared. I mean, we covered all the all the friendly matches, Brian. You think back to you know Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, it was Bristol City that we, we, we played, um, and you know we were coming up against teams and fair enough. The results weren't too bad until we came up against West Ham. I think West Ham have gone on to show that they're not a bad side, mm. but we were, we were really poor. You look at the t- the lineup, the, the guys that were playing, um, and then once it came out to the Mitchellan game, and you look at the two centre halves we had, and then you know we, we beat on being sent off, Murray having to come in. So I don't think we were ever disillusioned by Antipostokoglou. It was the whole scenario that Was the frustration the frustrating part of it? But what I liked about um Ange is that um it wasn't a contrived kind of answer. Um, the, the question that that's been raised a few times would it have been asked had Tony No asked it? And there's always this alternative media against mainstream media thing that's that's constant, and I don't entirely buy into that, I've got to say, right? Because I have met some phenomenal people who are brilliant journalists who work for mainstream titles. And obviously if your profession is when you go and study journalism and um, that you want to be a journalist or a broadcast uh, journalist or a commentator or work in the media, then you are generally going to do that for a, a mainstream outlet. So it doesn't make them bad people. Now I know that there are some bad eggs in there that uh, we probably all don't like. But there's some cracking people in there as well. And I think that uh, Tony Haggerty was one of them before he left um, the mainstream role that he had. And that's why Tony and I remained in contact and eventually comes on to Axel. has added a lot to Celtic State of Mind. But there's others out there. Alison McConnell, brilliant journalist. Hugh McDonald, Kevin McKenna, Stephen McGowan, all brilliant journalists. Um, And I don't think that, There there is an agenda that exists within that hardcore. But what we did see, Brian, over the last few weeks was a narrative. And the narrative was that Kyogo was a cheat. And, um, you know, that that for me is something that we actually called a few months ago. We we realised that um, he's going to get a hard time because of the nature of uh, him going down um, from time to time. And we knew, and I think one of the headlines was, is he going to be targeted? Well, that's exactly what's happened. Um, And and then once that narrative starts, and once the head of referees comes out to try and talk about a a goal that shouldn't have been chopped off, all of a sudden, he's public enemy number one. Uh, And what he's bringing to the Scottish game is incredible. It's positive. You look at what he's brought to the Scottish game. And yeah, with Angie's links in January, a few more players are going to come here, but what must they be thinking? If you, the first thing that happened was he was a target of racist abuse, right? Then the referees have got it in for him because the head of the referees is coming out saying that should have been disallowed. So straight away, in the back of the minds of the people that that he's the head of, when it's a marginal call, as we've seen at the weekend, it's going to go against them, right? And then the media, and I say the media, not all the guys I've just mentioned there, but the narrative that we were seeing in the media is that it was, he was a cheat. And he must be thinking, "What on earth? Where have I landed here?" So, it's so Brian, I will bring it to you. I bring it to you. How is that going to affect Kyogo? Will it affect Kyogo?
4: I don't. I don't think it'll affect him personally. It seems you know he's got good people around him. Mostly, Angel put his arm around him and, and you know defend him. But in terms of, the, the, <coughs> sorry,
3: that was a bit of an orange cough there. Actually,
4: that was a bit of an orange cough. i trying to get more and more like him every day to put it on mate purposely, so I look me a lot Um It's honestly not an accident. I'm not being lazy. Um, but in terms of the media, like conflict beats interest, right? So they had they, they make these headlines up. He was a diver, so that you know, fans the flames and gets people to re- click their articles and buy their papers. So you're always going to be up against that. So I, I actually don't really. It doesn't really bother me when I see it in the, the media because I think I know why they're doing it. It doesn't even pundits or so-called pundits are, are being completely unbiased and and shouting about this and that. I think that's really poor and really unprofessional. Um, and speaking of poor and unprofessional, we had the referees coming out.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: What's why? What is he talking about? Why is he coming out to make a comment on that one goal? We have all the decisions the referees have been shambolic about this season.
3: Yeah.
4: Why is he coming out to highlight that?
3: Exactly. I mean, that's... that's Especially that's, on the back. I mean, you're talking about the, the decisions. I've started making the list, you know, and it's going to be the dirty dozen before you know it, right? <laughs> now, the latest one was obviously a butcher on, on Turnbull, which was shocking. Think, a I shocking so. cha- Could it... Be honest, right? Because my answer to this is no. If I had asked you two weeks ago who the head of referees were in Scotland, could you have told me it was him?
4: No. I couldn't have. He's no, it, 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 totally ineffective. and then he chooses to... to Pop his head up, make a ridiculous comment, follow highlight go, and then disappear under a rock again. When there's hard decisions to be made, it's um, I, the guy's embarrassed himself. But to be honest, like, as you say, the fact so many people had no idea who he was is indicative of the problem, really, is. it.
3: Mm, it is, it is, and as I say, we are listing the uh, misdemeanors, and people are adding to it as well. And at the moment, there's seven. I thought there was only six. In fact, there's eight. We're up to eight. JP, uh, I'd forgotten about Ryan Porteous. Um, trying to break the shinbone of Callum McGregor at Easter Road mm-hmm. So we're up to eight now um, But on the subject of Hibs Let's jump over to the Hibs situation at the moment Because we've got them in the cup final We'll come back to the potential lineup tonight But um, I was kind of surprised when I came in this morning Jack Ross had been sacked I know they've not been great in a league
1: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet But if their internet comes from a cell phone network You should know It's just phone internet Not home internet Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of OOKLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.
5: Well, I think that's a bit premature. Uh, I, I I was quite shocked about it as well. I thought that um, he was not in with the bricks there, but I thought that he was onto a, a a safe a safe number really at Hibbs. I didn't I didn't foresee that coming at all. I know they got beat at Livingston, but so did we. <laughs> and uh well Angie Postacogo lived to fight another day. But I haven't really been paying attention to Hibbs league form. I know they got beat at home off Rangers, a very, you know, soft penalty. I I think I did say it was a penalty, but if you're talking about uh, comparing it to Kyogo Furihashi getting smacked in the back of the head and then going down you know, you know, uh, Ryan Kent feels that feels the touch and goes, Oh, I've got a penalty here. I'm going down." And uh, you know, that's what that's how they lost the game. I'm pretty sure I saw a lot of people saying that Hibbs should have won that game or at least got a point. Mm. Um, and the the penalty and the result was harsh on them. So to then lose at Livingston and then find out—I mean, I saw murmurings of this last night. People saying Jack Ross to go in the morning and all that, and it was like. So people already knew last night before it was made official this morning. And yeah, you just wonder they they must have an an a plan for who's going to come in and place. There's no way they, they would do they would be so knee-jerk if they didn't have someone lined up. And I saw plenty of uh, uh, comical um uh, parody kind of announcements of Neil Wennon returning as manager to Hibbs, but I think there's probably a slim chance of that given the way they departed in the first place. So we'll will wait and see and wonder if there will be a new permanent manager in place when we take them on in the cup final. Exactly. Which is the reason we're discussing it because the big question is, JP, what does it do?
3: I mean, mm. you do get, and it's a cliche these days, the new manager bound. Sometimes you don't get that. Um, will they have somebody in within the next 10 days to lead them into the Scottish I think Cup? So, yeah. And if so, I mean, what does that do? Is that is it going to benefit them? Because I I guess it depends on the individual. We've seen names flying about. Uh, The thing for me, with with Neil Lennon, obviously I think it's widely known there was an issue there between Neil Lennon and Leanne Dempster, wasn't there? Mm. Um, And by the way, I think it won't be too long before he gets back into football, Neil Lennon. Mm. I do think he will will get back into football. I think that the dust has started to settle on everything that happened last season. Whether or not it's going to be in Scottish football, I'm not sure. There's only a few clubs I think he could manage in Scotland, and he's already managed them. Mm. I'm not sure where else Lenny could go in Scotland, but certainly I've seen him linked, I think, to Ipswich Town, the Ipswich Town job this mm-hmm. morning. So, um and when he does, you wish him all the best. You wish Lenny all the best Aye, when, once that day comes. Um, so, how do you think it affects Hibbs if if they were to bring somebody in? And we've seen a few names flying about. um Some. High calibre coaches and managers, JP. Um, I'm thinking from a Celtic perspective, does it give them a wee edge against us?
5: I mean, well, I mean, you've seen what ha- what's happened at, at Rangers, you know, like obviously Van Bronckhurst going in has, you know, galvanised a, a, a team and a squad that were, you know, coming out and saying they didn't have any hunger and they were chucking games at 3 1 down at half time. Um, ironically, against Hibbs. Um, so you know it, it, it can go one or two ways. I guess it just depends who they get and whether or not he clicks straight away with the squad. I, I got the feeling, or I, I think I watched the interview with Ryan Porteous even yesterday, or the day before, where he was being asked if he would change his style, and and he and he, he was pretty. Com- he mentioned the manager, and he was complimentary towards Jack Ross. So it, it it doesn't seem to me like there was any kind of player revolt that's led to this. It must have been a a, a decision from the top and like I said you know they probably have someone lined up to mm. to come in to, to replace them because it, it, you know you and I spoke before we went on air it seemed a bit rash it seems a bit kind of not harsh, but, but, but it just seems a bit knee-jerk. You they, didn't, know?
3: they didn't hang around anyway, that's no. for sure. I mean, it would be kind of box office if Lenny took over and <laughs> led them onto the field, eh? I mean, come on, Scottish uh. football. Eh? <laughs> they'd, they'd maybe sell the tickets that they've not been selling. <laughs> um, Brian, what's your thoughts? What's it going to do for us as Celtic? We're all about the Celtic, of course. In and, and saying that, when JP came in today, we've got a framed uh, tea towel. It's uh, official Proclaimers merchandise. It's just been framed and it's the lyrics of Sunshine on Leith. Because obviously the proclaimers are big hippies, but uh, that's out there. Um, but what does it do for us going into this cup final? I mean, I already, I'm already confident at this moment in time. I just think that we're in that that groove, regardless of what happens tonight, regardless of what type type of team we put out tonight. I'm kind of confident that um, we're good. We've got enough to overcome Hibs, and you know, even if a manager comes in, it's not like a you know a magic wand. You know, they don't always get that that instant improvement Uh, there's some fantastic players on that Hibs side but they've not shown it as much this season as they did last but my biggest surprise was you look at last season cup final third in the league I think it was the first time in the highest position in 15 years I think since maybe Tony Mowbray was in charge of them so it seems a wee bit premature for me would you agree with JP they've maybe got somebody already lined up
4: they've got to have because there's no way you can sack a manager a week before a cup final if you don't have a backup. Um, it would be very, very strange. In regards to how it affects us, if they've got someone in place you know, by today and that's that plan in place, you might find the players get that bounce they'll the other game at the weekend. And then obviously the second game will be the League Cup final. So you would expect them to, you'd expect them to come out and go for it because it's a final anyway. But if they've got a new manager, you can imagine that gives them a sort of galvanisation. They're almost in a, I can't lose Position because if they do lose, it goes well. The old Celtic have got a new boss, mm-hmm. but they've got a lot to win, you know. Um, you know, we've got a chance to get the fans back inside. The new manager makes his claim. In terms of Celtic, though, I don't see it's going to affect, I don't think And prepares the team to, you know, <coughs> other than to play his way. Mm-hmm. I don't think he cares who he's against. I think he sets the team to win, to play well, to control the game. And I, I think, just like Dundee United the other day, we're, we're almost making teams look poor because we're so in control of games. And I think it's more about what we do in the game. And I, I don't think it affects us. I'm pretty confident as well. I think we've looked resilient recently. We, we, I'm so confident we're just not going to get beat. It looks like the team are really together on it. And I think it'll be the same in the, the cup final. So, um, Hibs, I expect somebody to be in by the end of today. Probably. Or announced tomorrow mm. morning. Um and in terms of safety, I don't see any changes. I still think we'll um we'll, we'll we'll
3: beat them. I think they should go for Callum Davidson. I think there's only so much he could do, and he's done it at St. Johnston. So it'd be Jim, a good move for him. As well.
6: He's
4: done a good job with St. Mirren. Um we need to go to Sunderland first though, no? <laughs> nah, maybe, maybe.
3: <laughs> now, if we're looking at that cup final, um I always make comparisons, JP, to Vim Jansen in uh, the season that we had under Wim Janssen, where we win the Coca-Cola Cup. There's a galvanising effect, like uh, Brian says there, uh, in the team. Um, but there's so many newbies. There's new, so many new players in that Celtic side. It would be fantastic to see the likes of Staffelt and Carter Verkers and all these guys. Unfortunately, we're not going to see Jota uh, on the park. But winning silverware for Celtic, and then that can kick us on, uh, obviously, to the New Year's game and, and uh, beyond.
5: I, I mean, just listening to to you being confident about the League Cup final. I mean, <laughs> I, I have uh, very, very uh, firm memories of uh, the League Cup final in '94 um, at Ibrox mm. against Wraith Rovers. I was uh, pretty confident going into that game, <laughs> and we know what happened. So I would never, ever go into a cup final being like, "Yeah, yeah, we're going to squish this." The same with that Dundee United final, actually in '97. Like I, I remember. Being in Glasgow that day with my pal Michael, and he had the ticket for the game, and I didn't. And I was, you know, hoping against hope that I would get one, and then I didn't. And I ended up watching it in the Hoops Bar, and uh, I was well oiled, shall we say, by the time he rejoined me after the game, and we stayed there till uh, last train to Edinburgh, and uh, it was a hell of a night. But uh, that did kickstart that season, and uh, really, I guess, gave a lot of the guys in that team the belief that they could they could win something, you know, and that definitely must have played a part in the run-in, even although at times we were pretty bad, you know, we we threw away points, but then there was the pressure of that season. You've got to remember what was on those players that season. It was, it was so, so big, but that League Cup was, I, I think, was a, was a huge marker at that point. And, I, I, you know, I certainly remember it fondly because um, it was the first time I'd seen a Celtic team win a cup final in style because you know the 1-0 game against Derby in 95 was was a drab affair um so at least in that in that final against Dundee United I mean we 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 won it comfortably there was no last minute goals or you know penalty shootouts or anything like that it was just, it was an emphatic win and it really it set a marker down so uh, I mean I'd like to think we'd be able to do that in the 19th but um I'm certainly I'll always have that a level of caution. No, that's
3: fair do's. Uh Having uh, suffered that Wraith Rovers debacle <laughs> myself, that is fair do's. But I do remember that edgy one because I've told the story where the guy was trying to get me to go in the park after the game, try to push me on the park and mm. fade the pitch. And then later on, when I'm watching the VHS at home, the same guy is getting lifted and he's huckled and his arm's <laughs> up the... <laughs> So I was kind of glad I was in the house watching that rather than getting uh, a night in the cells. I was only 15, I think. Um, but back to tonight then, back to tonight, the big question is, how do we do this? Do we do we rest the vast majority of the important players who have all played a lot of football? Um, do we bring in a hybrid side where there's maybe four or five? Brian, how do we? How does Ange play this tonight?
4: I would expect the sort of hybrid option because um, although it's just, you know it's the same dead rubber, right, and that it doesn't matter about the result because of the the group standings. However, you still get about half a million quid for a win in Europe. And the, the, the group stages, so that's a lot of money for Celtic. There's also coefficient points depending on how you know what happens next season with Europe. So there's still a lot to play for, and there's still people paid their money to go and see the game. So yeah. I, I don't I don't think Ange is going to set it aside, except to be. I don't think you do wholesale changes because I think he would probably see that as not doing the job. However, I do think there's there's guys that need time, and it's a perfect opportunity. So, Francis, I would probably, is, is Marcus fit yet? No. I mean, that's the question no,
3: There certainly was no update, Brian. Um, Ange was too busy defending Kyogo to talk about Yakamakis yesterday, but, um, no, I don't think he's going to be available tonight.
4: tonight. Actually, Um Kyogo for Sunday. Yeah, I'd agree with that. One of the, one of the things I said was that it's now he's 11th, 11th month playing football, which is insane when you think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So, we can see maybe, maybe that's why he snatched a few chances recently. Um, I think Scales will come in, left-back. I think he's merited himself a start. Um, I would imagine Beaton, McCarthy will play. Kyle Mack will probably get a rest. But other than that, where else can you change? Because although we've got a a few options in the bench now, we we don't have that big a squad depth to make wholesale changes. So, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to see the B team getting called up to play tonight. Um, so again maybe you might see like I a midfielder Soro McCarthy beat on skills at left back and that'll probably be it, I think
3: what's your thoughts Brian before I come to JP on that um, about I agree with you uh, the guys that are playing week in week out give them a rest right what's your thoughts on uh, Joe Hart and goals does he need a rest do you need to nah. get um, game time into somebody in case they need to be called upon later on in the season
4: no, I mean I think the keepers. Listen, it's rarer that a keeper gets injured than an outfield player, isn't it? And I think having the continuity at the back is key for us. We spoke a lot about how he has a calmness with the back four, and especially if you're going to be change making changes at the back, you probably want that continuity. So I, I don't know that I would I would switch out uh, Joe Hart. And the other, the other reason is as well, see, put uh, one of the younger keepers in. Mm. I could always say the boy's name wrong. The, the England under 19 players, so I'm not going to attempt it. Toby.
5: What? Toby. yeah.
3: There, there
4: we
5: go. Well
3: done, lads.
4: See, <laughs> um, so you, so you put him in goals tonight and we shot four goals on his know. debut. Mm-hmm. That's crushing. So, so Joe Hart is Sunday, I, I wouldn't consider changing, not tonight.
3: Well, JP, I, I, I agree with Brian. I think that there are some players that just play week in, week out, Um I think Kyogo would play three games a week if, if he was asked to, but he definitely needs a rest. McGregor, I I think, now's the time. Give him a rest. Don't rest him against Ross County in the League Cup, as we did last year. Rest him in a game like tonight, even though, as Brian says, it is important for a number of reasons that we don't see this as a dead rubber. There should be no th- such thing as a dead rubber. How, how do we line up tonight, in your opinion, JP?
5: Well, you just look back to uh, last season and the, the last Europa League game last season, um, where it was a dead rubber, and we played Leo at home, and we, you know, guys st- uh, staked their claim in that game, mm-hmm. um, and led, and it led to them, you know, having a run in the team. You know, like Turnbull, obviously that was his kind of coming of age game, really, in a Celtic shirt, and everyone's going, "Oh, why was he not playing before that?" And obviously there was reasons for that. I don't think it was because he wasn't doing the business and training and like that. I think it was just, you know, there were probably managing his return to fitness after a long time out um, but if you look back to that game it's strange because we, that dead rubber, if you compare our previous results last year to our results this year we've gone toe-to-toe Real Betis away we've gone toe-toe Bayer Leverkusen away and been beaten by an odd goal in a 4-3 and a, no was it 4-3? It was 4-3 wasn't it? Yes, yeah. 4-3 yeah. and a 3-2 which is
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: It's getting beat, yes, but at least it's getting beat, you know, throwing some punches. Rather than just sort of meekly surrendering like we did against Sparta Prague, mm-hmm. and you know I know we went up two 0 in the San Siro, um, and then subsequently uh, got beat. Am I wrong? Is that is that right? Have, have no, I, have we did I made four two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we did have a go a, a bit against them, but the spankings against Sparta Prague, Sparta Prague last season was our Ferencvaros this season, and look at the results. The difference is we beat the two, we beat the side. Home in a way that we were supposed to beat and we also went up, went went up against um, the the other sides in those games. So it's quite it's quite weird to see how that progress has been made in in a, in a year with a completely almost a completely different team. And so so tonight, yeah, I I, I don't know about the whole wholesale changes or anything like that. I, I would I would like to see a team that's put out there that. Knows the system and knows how to play the way that he wants to play, and you'd like to think that anybody he puts in will know that now because they've been getting trained and drilled under his tutelage since the start of the season. So, if if he does put out a, a, a sort of um, sort of fragmented look inside tonight with players playing, you know, um, that haven't played together or whatever, then it's a different case. It's a different scenario doing that tonight than it would be doing it three or four months ago. Because mm-hmm. because the training has been implemented and the, and people know what they need to do and where they need to be on on the park, so it's all about the, it's it's kind of over to the players at that point because he's done everything he can in terms of building the, the the structure and the training regime and everything else. So it's up it's up to the players to 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 take their opportunity tonight. And if that is a Yeti, then you know why would you, you've got a huge stage, a sold out Celtic Park, you know. Why would you not want to perform at your your very best? And I I really hope that the guys that come in do do that because you you, you don't wait like to see you know people failing on a big stage and it is still a big stage because it's a sold out European game under the lights at Celtic Park at the end of the day.
3: The, the thing is, I'm sitting here. I can't wait to actually jump that motor and go through. There is this um, whole process. Everybody going to the game will be going through right now. They'll be travelling over from Ireland. You know. And you know, in their droves, and there is that responsibility uh, for Celtic to actually put on that show, regardless of whether or not we're going to to qualify. We want to do as best as we possibly can. A player like a Yeti coming in, there might be other reasons why he wants to to put in a good performance. Is he looking to get a move in January? or Celtic looking to move him on. If so, go and prove what you can do. Because, you know, his stock has dropped since he came in from West Ham and it had already dropped at West Ham. So absolutely, JP, if that is what he decides to do, I would much rather he did that and give, you know, gave Kyogo a a rest, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to drag in some of the comments because I, I appreciate every single person that's tuning in to a Celtic State of Mind bulletins. We've got big plans for 2022. The bulletin will remain. We've got... Team Axom dialing in and that's tremendous, but we've got other shows um, with an Axom flavour coming your way in 2022, so get subscribing on YouTube, Uh, we are putting out content every single day, now Paddy Lavery, thank you very much, Uh, very loyal follower, follower of the show, good afternoon Paul and JP and of course Brian because you came in as well, Brian. So good afternoon to you. Uh, Matthew Duff points out on YouTube, Tony posing two fantastic questions to Ange yesterday afternoon. And it just shows you how these things can go down on social media. I think that went viral. And you look at the um, the news sources that were all using that response about Kyogo that, that Tony posed. Um, so br- brilliant questions by uh, Tony. Absolutely. The other one that might have been put in the shadows, understandably, was he was he was talking about the academy. And how, you know, generally week to week, we've got about half a dozen players in and around that first team. Uh, Montgomery, Ralston, Forrest McGregor, uh, Mikey Johnson and Stephen Welsh. So although all the talks around the transfers in January, and of course we do require new bodies in, he's he's not overlooking the, the academy prospects and that must give some of the young guys... Uh, great confidence, Brian. You know, Rocco Vata, for example, Lawal, who's looking really good um, playing for the b team. Moffat, we've seen some of him in pre-season. So it was important that it, that was posed to, to Ange. And Ange seems to be willing to give them a chance of, if they've got the fibre for it.
4: Yeah, I love that. I thought it was um, excellent. We had spoke um, a few weeks back about the need for structure at the club in terms of continuity from, you know, academy to first team. And it's the first time it's really been addressed by anyone from Celtic, specifically Ange, and I thought you answered well. Talking about, and JP touched on it as well, the, the players that maybe have been featured have been training, they know how they play, they know how the system works, and it appears as if he's in constant communication with, you know, Chris Picard and, um, <clears throat> and the staff there that he mentioned, and trying to get that, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get youth players on board with that style of play, so that they can start to have a... a we didn't say pathway, but essentially a pathway through to the first team. And he guys like Dan Murray and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, I'm a massive fan of Big Dan. I think he's got huge potential. So I, I I was really enthused by it. I thought it was really, really good to hear them actually saying, I still see the academy as the future of the club. We're not going to be, you know, splashing out in his words. Um, and it feels like, because he mentioned the restructure as well, and it feels like that's going to be key moving forward over the next few years is, is actually getting you know, young players playing a system that they can slot straight in. Yeah. And if you can start to bring through, you know, strikers again and wingers, proper wingers again, it's just going to be brilliant. So I'm really excited about the future. Um, you just hope whatever plans are in place are there for the long term, regardless of. And we spoke with the cycle management. Yeah. And if you go by previous, you've probably got three years of, of the big fella. But what we need is we need 10 years worth of continuity. For to bring Academy graduates through and into the first team and that has to continue and you know, I hope it will.
3: Aye, I hope so. And like JP was saying, last year's dead rubber gave us David Turnbull. I know that he had played a few games but that was really the introduction and he went on to win the Young Player of the Year, JP. That night again, Sorrow. I thought Sorrow looked a tremendous talent that night and it was uh, Connor Hazard and goals. Ewan Henderson, I think, came on as a sub that night as well and they all played really well. So tonight might be the stage for someone else to stake a claim. Um, and, and put themselves either in the shop window for others or for Ange. Uh, Martin, Bickett, hail hail. Well done, Axom. Well done, Axel. Well done to everybody who's been involved because we we simply provide a platform for these things and the amount of people who have contributed and the amount of podcasts who have come on on board. Some of them were in the studio. It was just tremendous. We're still feeling it uh, on the Thursday. Following the weekender, and we're still raising cash. Uh, and I'll tell you if we can get to 27 or 28 grand, that is going to make a huge difference down to St. Mary's um, as well. So, thanks everybody for getting involved. We've got Lanky 67. Good afternoon, troops. Hail, hail. Um, Donnie's asking, are we all looking forward to the game tonight? I'm buzzing. I I mean, it might be, you know, I always am. JP, I used to buzz when it was 1991 and Cascarino was leading the line. So if I was buzzing then, I'm buzzing tonight. Feed the bear, always in on the comments. Welcome to the show afternoon, everybody. And uh, the underwater cabbage salesman, whatever you say, I'm going to bring you up for that name. Hail, hail, comrades. Um, absolutely. This brings me on to the next point here, a discussion. I'll come back to Turnbull uh, because that obviously allows us to speak about that tackle at the weekend. Richard Murray. Whose avatar looks strikingly like Cathkin Park? For anybody out there who's never visited Cathkin, go and have a look at Mm Cathkin Park. It's incredible. It's the kind of thing you would get somebody putting a YouTube video up, JP, about kind of ghost stadiums. You know, because the terraces are still there. There's a wee white wall behind one of the goals. If you look at the old images from the 1950s. Of like Gil Scott, no Gil Heron, Mm -hmm. his dad Gilbert Heron, playing for Third Lanark, you can still see that same white wall, and it's still there, still stands, and it's obviously the home as well of the Jimmy Johnson Academy. Our friends at the Jimmy Johnson Academy as well. Richard says, is it right or wrong to have a silent protest inside the ground tonight? I can see both points, so a tough one. Well, I was looking at this yesterday because obviously there was a follow-up statement, JP, and simply due to the fact that a letter was sent out to the CEO, Michael Nicholson. And one thing I would say is that a lot of the stuff I was reading online last night was, you know, they don't speak for us. We hear that all the time. But this letter wasn't from the Green Brigade. It wasn't from the Celtic Trust. It wasn't from Boys, or it wasn't from um, any of these singular organisations. It was sig- It was signed by over 250 signatories, and that was Celtic supporters clubs, affiliations, The Trust, the association, podcasts like Axom, and so on and so forth. And just so that people understand, to have a Celtic supporters club, JP, you don't have to be part of the association or the affiliation. So they look after a great many. Um, So the affiliation look look after Celtic supporters clubs outside the Glasgow area, and the association are more kind of Glasgow-based. And then you've got individual Celtic supporters clubs from all over the place. Um, so the the fact that that actually represented tens of thousands of Celtic fans made it a wee bit different from a protest by one or two groups. Mm. It was a coming together, it was a collective, it was a message where everybody got behind this message in terms of the groups that were out there, the associations, the podcasts. Um, but everybody at the that also realises, JP, you don't speak for every individual Celtic fan who has an opinion on the matter. And the reason that letter was uh, written in the first place was because there were rumours, although they've not been confirmed by the club, pretty strong rumours that um, Bernard Higgins was lined up to take a senior role at Celtic. And basically what that would suggest is that they're going to take a hard line on our ultras at Celtic Park. I mean, let's not beat about the bush. That's exactly why this is happening, right? There's nobody strong enough at Celtic to deal with it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Law was a very strong character, regardless of what you thought of him but he was someone who could deal with just about anything that was thrown at the club. I don't think we have a figure like that at Celtic at the moment. So they're bringing in someone on a senior kind of role um, and this group of fans were against it. Unsurprisingly, I've got to say, since that letter was sent, there's been no response by the club. Absolutely no response. I'm not surprised at that. I don't know if you guys are. I'm not surprised at that. Um, and this has been followed up by a statement yesterday North Curve, Boy, Celtic Trust, the Green Brigade, saying that there's going to be a silent protest tonight, and if necessary, another one on Sunday against Motherwell. Now, there are some people saying this is wrong to do that, but my question would be, JP, at this stage, what else can we do? I mean, we're not rioting outside the ground, we're doing, you know, we're doing the right thing in terms of a silent protest, let's say. I don't sit in that area of the ground, but I think what you'll see is that other people within the stadium might Respect it. Tonight might be a wee bit different way of being a European game, JP. My question is, what else do you do?
5: I think it's a hard thing to to ask everybody in the ground to observe. If it is the, the two sections that you mentioned that are observing it, then you know everybody's got a right to protest, especially against something like this that's so serious. And I did read last night a few tweets, and I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, conjecture or speculation, but um, that it seems to be that th- an agreement has been, you know, made that there was a contract signed, but it's not going to happen now. Like, yes, I saw that. Didn't I, did, I did see that. I, I that's can't, gathering a bit of momentum, that, isn't it? I, I can't obviously say that's fact. I mean, I've just genuinely just read someone's tweet, which could be complete nonsense, or it could have some... Uh, some, some some spine to it but um, I don't know we'll, we'll wait and see but with regards to the protest I don't have a problem with people protesting and I think the and I said this before and I think people questioned me on it and, and made it out to be well one person questioned me on it and made it out to be nonsense that doesn't mean to say that everybody thinks that but after that half an hour of silence at the home game as soon as this half an hour was up there was an a, there was an applause in the stadium which to me indicated that the people applauding in the stadium applauded what had just happened by the Green Brigade or the boys up in the top, the top best, the top of the North Stand. So that 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 was what I took from that. Whether I've completely misunderstood that situation, I don't know. But I go to enough games and I'm able to read a crowd and know the feeling of a crowd well enough to know that that was what that was responding to. So you, that was represented at the game. The signature in the letter has been represented by a great number of of, of uh, supporters' clubs in a way that I don't think I've ever seen before. I mean, I don't. I mean, can you recall ever seen anything as as uh, robust and you know quite emphatic as 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 this? I don't. I don't. I don't recall that. And you know, it, it sent a clear statement, and hopefully, we'll get a, a very clear uh, answer, which is you know the one we're looking for.
3: The the big thing on that point, JP, is um, we've we've spoken over the years. Obviously, our Celtic state of mind's been running now for four and a half years. There's loads and loads of interviews back in the early episodes that you'll find on the YouTube channel. Yes, that's a shameless plug to go and subscribe to it. <laughs> um, we guys like Matt McGlone, uh Willie Wilson, Jim Orr, Tom Grant, uh, David Lowe, people that were in and around the, the club or part of the the movements, the street movements, the fan movements that overturned um the celtic board with the help of a, a wee guy in a bonnet as well uh never did get around to interviewing fergus i would love to do that um, it has and to th- well, it has to oh, happen well oh i imagine uh, but the thing with that is what what you find when you talk to the people who were involved is that th- th- it wasn't universal you know so jim jim or our very own jim he was involved in the very early movement which was save ourselves Right, and what happened eventually was that that movement, and you can watch the progress if you read through the early, not the views. You can you can watch the progress of how that movement it, it went off charging. It was a, it was charging down uh, the tracks initially. Um, they held a couple of meetings, and we've got the footage of the meetings are brilliant, by the way. And I don't know how much it's been shown in the past. It's archive footage. We're going to put it together for the YouTube channel. Um, and Joe Beltrami speaks at the the first one. Shettleston Halls. I'm not from the area, but I've been told it's no longer there. Um, Tom Grant speaks. Uh, Brian Dempsey speaks brilliantly, and uh, Willie Wilson's here, etc. So they try to build a bit of momentum. The next meeting, Terry Cassidy's invo- invited and he attends. And Terry, in fact, Tom Grant didn't speak at the first one. He was there with Jimmy Farrell. In the second one, Terry Cassidy does speak. Um, so they built up a right good bit of momentum. They got a lot of good press coverage, but then it. It kind of just tapered off, and then there was a second wave, and that was um, Celts for change. So yeah, you know, you had to save ourselves Celts for change, and everybody <coughs> knows what happens with with uh, with that movement as well. So when I speak to these people, they say you know they were maybe handing out flyers outside the grounds, were maybe trying to organise boycotts, which happens. There's a lot of people disagreed with them, you know, and Jim Moore talks about people getting told. Um, outside the ground to F off and all this kind of stuff when they're trying to spread the word that there was something amiss at Celtic Football Club. So that's always going to happen. You're never going to have that universal appeal. But when, as JP says, Brian, you look at that letter and the signatories on it, it's as universal as anything I remember at Celtic from a fan's perspective.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I'm not on social media at the moment, but anyone I've spoke to said the same, that the Higgins appointment simply can't go ahead. It's just been a huge slap in the face to, to every fan, every football fan, never mind any Celtic fan, that he's involved in football. So, um, yeah, I think it's been effective. And in terms of the silent protest tonight, I'm just wondering how much impact that will have on the board, but given the fact that the, I mean, it's been very clear that the fans don't want a Higgins on board. Is the protest designed to affect the team so it then affects... The, the board, I don't think so. So I don't think there's any harm in it. As JP says, I think there was a, a real rousing reaction at the first one when that sort of half hour ended. And it didn't affect the team that day particularly, I don't think. So...
1: <sighs> Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox.
4: It's just interesting to see if in Europe you get the same unity because maybe fans just coming over, especially for that night. Maybe they don't go to games at the weekend; they will go at night, something like that. Maybe a slightly different crowd that maybe aren't as forward on it. But I certainly is, is agree with JP, agree with yourself. Not everyone's going to be for it, but I think I think it's the, the right the right platform, and the right way to protest. Mm. As you say, you're no smashing up cars, you're no kicking off, you're no stopping people going to the stadium stuff like that. It's just a silent, you know, protest to state the fact. And what what puzzles me more than at all is, why the Secretary Board World have not come out with any sort of statement? You know, it's a, such an easy win from a business perspective. You know, just say, we're aware, of, you know, the, the negative attention this has received. You know, he's not going to be involved. board. We take your thoughts and we take you as fans seriously. And, you know, we're listening to you and we're... we're, we're acted accordingly. Mm. Even if he's no joy for that reason. They could spin it that way and make it an easy win. But there's, there's such a and I think it's disguised with the fact the team's playing well. It's the fact there's still such a huge disconnect from board to fan. And I don't think much has improved since last year when it was particularly bad. I just think the football's improved and it's masking it. Yep. Um because it they, they, they don't seem to I mean they, they care about the money. They care about the fans' money, but they don't seem to care about the fans' opinions and that's something that has to change as much as the Higgins situation. Um, you know, the, the Bulls' relationship with the fans has to change because it's it's borderline disrespectful.
3: I see. Well, there's a few things here as well. Uh, absolutely great points, Brian. Like, Why do a silence? Well, that's because Celtic fans have been met with silence since writing the letter. Why be silent on a European night? Well, that's because we've got a globally globally renowned atmosphere at Celtic Park, particularly on a European night under the lights, everybody talks about it. So it's going to be it's going to be filmed live. It's going to be broadcast all around Europe. Will that um, prompt somebody in the commentary team to say, oh, why is the Celtic fans more saying? Because if it does, then that's exactly the effect that this silent protest is looking for. Um, like you say, Brian, they're not, trying to affect anybody on the park they're trying to make a point they're making a point that um this silence that you are currently hearing is the same silence we're hearing as fans from the ceo and from the the wider club i was thinking about the quick win based on the fact that we weren't great communicating last year as a club were we brian um and it could well just be that we just don't know how to you know communicate very well Or there might well be something around that fact that perhaps he had been offered or had signed a contract and it's going to come back kind of like negatively on him. Therefore, he has requested in the documentation because it's a legally binding contract, etc. If it's going to be torn up, you don't make an announcement. I don't want people thinking that the Celtic fans have got one over on me because as an individual JP, that would be the worst case scenario for, for Higgins. And um, so yeah. I, I take that into account. There's legalities around the contract that Celtic might not be able to 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 make a statement specifically about him, but they've got to make a statement of sorts to allay our fears. I mean, if the rumors are true and they're coming from a number of sources that he's not getting a job, then come out and tell us. Come out and tell us that there is a process underway. And no one um, has is due to be appointed. Do something so that we know as fans that the rumours are right, even if the club can't name them, because there won't be legalities around naming them. You know that will be signed off in the paperwork with Higgins. He, there's no way he wants to be defeated by the Celtic fans. I mean, he put out. Police Scotland put out cops um, who were locking up Celtic fans and football fans, and the cops didn't have enough knowledge of uh, the offensive behavior the, the football act because what was happening was there was a whole song book in their mind that was unacceptable right so people are getting locked up for singing particular chants jp but they're so nuanced that you need to know what each individual song entails which is offensive and which isn't right and they cops that went out Particularly in the early days, and I'm sure they would have eventually sent them away for training and educated them a wee bit better. Didn't have a clue um, if the Roly Honor was eff- offensive or not. They they didn't know. They didn't know what the song was about. They didn't know the difference between Sean South and Kanye West. They they were locking people up, you know, at will, and they were you know they were ruining people's lives. What I would ask everybody to do? That's that's tuning in who has an interest in this. Get on Twitter and watch the videos that have been posted by. Uh, fans against criminalisation. They're on the Twitter page. The last time I looked, there was five videos that went out, and they're case studies of people who have been negatively affected by um, the legislation that was, you know, vociferously implemented by Higgins. So just go and watch that because this is why so many Celtic fans are against it. Um, you think about. Going to a football game and getting locked up in there, the impact that has on your life, your home life, your employment status, your future employment credentials. And that's exactly what was getting done here. Not because they were hooligans, because they might have gone in to an ultra setting. But JP, you and I have spoken in the past about ultra culture. I mean, that that doesn't make you a hooligan because you're an ultra. It doesn't make you a hooligan because you've got a sensibility in terms of uh, a political mindset. And I mean, football and, and politics goes hand in hand at Celtic Park. No no one is able to extract that from Celtic Football Club. So the club need to make a statement because tonight, loud and clear, the fans are making a statement, JP. I mean, I, I am buzzing to go to Celtic Park tonight, but I uh, will look at that, that protest, that silent protest at this moment in time has really been the only thing that the groups can do. I don't think there's another way of doing it. They've tried communicating and it's failed. Uh, The people who seem to um, have an issue with it are saying, well, just don't give them your money. But that's far more damaging to a club, surely.
5: Hmm.
3: You can't stop us from going to watch the games.
5: No, I think think the first thing that will come out is when they announce that they've appointed someone else and that's the first we'll hear of it. Because like you said, there'll be legalities and contractual things that you know, are put in place that mean that we, they can't say anything about um, what's happened or what's not happened. So I, I think that, that'll that be the first thing that comes out. And when that'll be, I don't know, because obviously they'll have to, you know, look at... There's obviously a, a role or a job there that they want to fill and they were considering doing it with uh, Bernard Higgins, but they now will need to uh, fill it with somebody else. Surely just the position's not just going to be, you know, scrapped I mean, there, there must be some position there to be filled. So the first thing that we'll ever find out about it is when someone, some other random name is is uh, appointed. And then hopefully we can move on from this and, and put it down to experience. But uh, yeah, as Brian said, the silence from the board has been deafening mm-hmm. uh, and the communication has been, you know, really really poor the, the the ignoring Dominic Mackay at the AGM is one of the most mental I things I've ever just watched it from that as, as I watched that I was like they just said oh and we welcome Michael Nicholson I'm like no, but you also welcome somebody else and then let them go and you're not giving us any reasons as to why that happened like even a sanitized version of what happened got nothing and yeah, the, the, watching those guys didn't fill me with confidence. And as, as well, Brian said as well about, you know, that the, the, they'll they happily take our money. Was there was not a comment made at the AGM. Somebody said something about, oh, i from a family of X amount of season ticket holders or something like that. And then the guy, or Wilson said, oh, that's what we like to hear. You know, no, we like to hear, you know, the, the, the money, you know. Ching, uh, chiming in you're just like wow yeah. what, what a terrible thing to say <laughs> what a terrible thing to say on such a forum you know how to absolutely horrendous. smash yourself in the face uh,
3: it was horrendous I was in that fans forum JP yeah. and um it was quite early on yeah and I'm not having a dig at the individual he's a fan like everybody else but he basically said that there's six season tickets in his household and he'll be buying them regardless mm-hmm. right mm-hmm and the exact words from Brian Wilson were, that's what we like to hear.
4: It's a complete laugh. So basically, theory. just buy the
3: season tickets and shut up. And <laughs> just sit there and just deal with it. That that was basically the attitude, you know, um, because Kevin Graham was in that separately. Because it was a dial-in. It was did did he pandemic. self-combust at that point? Well, <laughs> no, the, th- the good thing is it's like you've got all the screens on the wall. It's like one of the big movies where there's going to be an aeroplane crash and all the screens start going out, and Kevin's raging but he can't speak until we are allowed to speak. <laughs> oh, you can thanks. see him. He's absolutely <laughs> raging and when I finally, when Kev Graham finally, and by the way, the opportunity to, to plug Kev's book, Kevin's debut book is now available on net, and it's all about the great Henrik Larson done in a poetic style and there's a wee nod to the Twilight Sad as well. So get on there, £10, we'll get it sent out to, well, Kevin will. I'll be too busy on well, the 17th of December and we'll get it sent out in time for Christmas. It's a tenor uh, And Kevin, once he finally got his chance to speak, he just asked them all to look out the window because wherever they were, it was like the office above the entrance. And have a look at Brother Wilfred that statue of Walford. And ask yourself, <laughs> what would Brother Wilfred do? <laughs> we're all cheering, but you can't hear us because we're all muted at the time. Uh, but that that's it. It's so far removed from the Celtic support and that hasn't changed. There's a wee point coming up there, and I didn't want to labour about Neil Lennon. I wish Neil Lennon all the absolute best. But th- there was, and, and JP got stick last season for saying this, it was a perfect storm. Neil Lennon has to take responsibility, but so does everybody else around about him. You know, and, and I think that given a different set of circumstances at a different club, you know, I think that there's a job out there for him and all the best when it comes. When uh, we look back on some of the points that were made earlier on, Brian was talking about Liam Scales, uh, there's a guy who hadn't really featured uh, since he's come in, a few appearances here or there, he comes in against United and and he stakes a claim and my question would be, and I'll ask you first JP do you think he might save us a, a few quid on a new left back?
5: Uh, I hope so I mean everybody was hoping that was going to be the case and then you listen to him speak in his interview when he arrived and he just seemed so buzzing to be at Celtic and you know like, it was like a like real dream come true for him like you know a, a guy from ireland uh getting to play for celtic and signing from shamrock rovers it's not a story that you've heard too often you know where we go and uh well maybe in the past a long time ago we, we took players from ireland you're probably better versed to tell me who those players were um I'm thinking of Paul Byrne. <laughs> but, but I'm sure there's a, a slightly better caliber of player than Paul Byrne. Although Paul Byrne was was decent, he had base. a
3: few moments
5: scored against Rangers. I remember that. Um, twice. but scored twice. Aye, aye. Um, but uh, so scales coming in was, I, 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 and I honestly, despite his, you know, stock not being high, it's not as if we paid like a huge fee for him, and he's, you know, got all these, uh, you know, games under his belt for like a top club. He came in, and the, all the chat that you heard from people who had watched him was, "You've got yourself a player mm-hmm. here." And you know, I was really, really happy he came on. I mean, you know, you, you're not expecting your left back or your left wing back to score goals, but I mean, as soon as he moved into the, you saw him moving into the park as he was walk as the, as the as the play began, I saw him moving into the park, which is that inverted fullback thing and i'm not that au fait with tactics or anything like that but i saw him moving in and i thought he's going up here and then when it felt him at the edge of the box i was like oh my god I, wa- I you could see him going in uh to the middle of the park and and then it was a good finish yeah it took a nick but you make your own luck and uh yeah i, I i'd like to see him get a chance tonight hopefully he does and uh yeah maybe we can we can call him a, a bargain. I mean, Ange talked yesterday about back getting more bang for our buck. Mm. You know, I mean, he's, he's never been more right about anything. And then you know, people only need to point to the many, many failures in the transfer market that we've made in the lat in the past. And certainly in the past 10 years, there's been a lot of people that have come in and not performed and not contributed and then left for either less than what we paid for them or, Okay, for credit to the club, we've managed to get money back on some of them, but a lot of them, we didn't get the wages back, did we? <laughs> we get the transfer fee, we didn't get the wages back.
3: I know, more bang I mean, there's a whole podcast in these guys that you, you could probably work out, you know, how much it cost per game. Mm. Uh, Marion Feds, Marvin Con- oh, huh. the list is endless almost. But you're talking about more bang for your buck, you're looking at Dyson, Maeda, uh, Josuk, Ideguchi and Rio hatati and it looks as though in terms of the, the fees, um, anyway, Brian, we will be getting more bang for our buck for those guys. But you brought up Skills. what's your thoughts on him? I mean, uh, obviously Taylor's back in the mix now, but um, he came on, I thought he was brilliant, because it, it looked as though, obviously Tommy Rodgick's an absolute wizard, but the way he took his goal, it looked as though that might have been Seagrist's weak point, bottom right, and it's exactly where Skills put it, it was so controlled, he never tried to put his foot through it. He just, you know, he placed it in there. Um, And I would like to see him tonight. But do you think that if he does put in a good performance, then we might think twice. You've said it before, Brian. We've got quite a few left backs. There might not be uh, the kind of left backs that we want, but we do have... Uh, Ballingolli in there as part of that mix as well. We've got Montgomery who's impressed, and <laughs> we've got Taylor as well. We now know that Juranovic can fit in there, and we've now got Skills. When you've got five personnel in one position, we're not going to go and strengthen again, are we? Although we do have a, a situation where if we do bring in Atati, he can also go in at the left back. But again, I, I wouldn't expect Ballingolli to be here long term. Yeah,
4: Scales is an interesting one. I would actually like to see him at centre back. Um, I know there's a bit of conjecture over what his best position is, but we don't have any left-footed centre-backs at the club at the moment. and We don't actually as good as Carter Vickers and Stafford and Mills should be. They're not the tallest either. There's, I think Scales is like 6'3", 6'4". He's a big lad. He's got a lot of pace. And I think, you know, especially in Europe, a pacey centre-half, nice balance to the team. We saw the difference in the balance where Yranovic and Taylor were the full-backs. And that's not a like at Ralston. But it was a better balance in the team. And I think, actually, I would like to see Scales at centre-back tonight to see how he does there. Because I think Hatati's probably coming in to be the first-choice left-back. If I'm honest, especially given the fact he can also play centre-mid, which suits the inverted full-back role perfectly. Um, we is his strong cover. Montgomery is probably a project. I actually like him further forward. So Scales, I'd like to see centre-back. But we'll, we'll need to see To be fair, I also thought we should re-sign Eric Sweetchenko, so I don't really know what I'm talking about,
3: if I'm honest. (laughs) That's when he had Edward in his back pocket over 180 minutes, didn't he? Um, And more, because it went into extra time. But I think by then, uh, Edward had been hooked. Brown Warrior, I'm going to bring this up just to to leave it at that. It's a nice bit of linkage. Thank you for coming in on YouTube. The fact the club have not dug deep for St Mary's tells you all you need to know about what they actually think of our history as a club and that leads us on nicely to the fundraiser I'll leave you with this if you want one of these trackies or Kevin Graham's book have a wee look on axlom.net if you want to give uh, any kind of donation however small to the St Mary's uh, fund the link is underneath the video and I can't wait to give everybody the big update which will probably be on Monday at some point the final amount can we beat last season's or last year's total of 27k that would be pretty phenomenal if we did listen it's been absolutely tremendous JP and I are going to get ready now to go through to the game. Brian, I hope you enjoy it where you are. And um, thanks everybody for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind.